0: WERU comes from Maine Farmland Trust, a member supported nonprofit organization focused on reviving the working landscape and securing a future for farming in Maine. More information on protecting farmland and supporting farmers at mainefarmlandtrust.org.
1: WERU FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and all over the world at WERU.org. A healthy choice. You are
2: listening to Community Radio, WERU-FM, 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor, and streaming online at WERU.org. Common Ground Radio with your host, C.J. Walk is up next.
0: Good morning, and welcome to Common Ground Radio, an hour-long discussion of local food and organic agriculture here in the state of Maine brought to you by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. My name is C.J. Walk, and I am your host for today's show. Common Ground Radio is a monthly show airing on the first Friday of every month at 10 a.m. here on WERU. On today's show, we are talking about herbalism, herbal medicine, and the preservation of herbal traditions. Simply defined, herbalism is the study and use of plants for medicinal purposes— but its practice extends much deeper into philosophy and lifestyle. Um, so today on the show, I have three guests with me in the studio, and I'm very pleased to have them all here and live in the studio today. So first, I will introduce Kathy Langellier From uh, She is farmer and owner of Herbal Revolution Farm and Apothecary in Union, Maine. Kathy, thanks for being here. Thanks, CJ. And then Jillian Twisla. Okay, clinical herbalist and health educator of, of Hill and Tree, which is in Hope, Maine. Jillian, thanks for being here today.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Sure. And then Lauren Pignatello, correct. I'm making sure I get all the names proper. Um, and Lauren it has Swallowtail Farm and Creamery, which is in Whitefield, Maine, but also Milk and Honey of Swallowtail Farm, which is located down in Portland. And we'll get a chance to hear a little bit more about all that. Um, So again, thanks everyone for being here today on the show, and I'll let listeners know that about halfway through the show, around 10.30, we'll open up uh, the phone lines for any questions or comments, and I will give out the phone number at that time. Um, But to kind of get going, I'd like to come back around to each of the guests and give each of you a minute or two to kind of introduce yourself and talk a bit about the work that you do. Um, And how about we'll just go kind of clockwise and we'll start oh. with Jillian.
2: <coughs> All right, put thanks. you on the spot. <laughs> um, let's see, Did, do we want to do a little bit of background or just what we're doing now?
0: Yeah, just give me a just let mm-hmm. listeners know a little bit about um, who you are, where you are, and the work you do. And then we'll come back around and start a little bit about kind of your background of each of you. And,
2: okay, great. So my name again work. is Jillian Twisla. Um, I'm a clinical herbalist and health educator. And what that means right now um Well, for a long time, I have worked with clients one-on-one, so helping people kind of work with herbal medicine in their lives to improve their health um, as preventative medicine or preventative um, health measures, as well as, you know, working with herbs to improve different things that might come up along one's health journey. And um, as an educator, I do a lot of teaching. I do some teaching both uh, through Hill and Tree, which is my place in hope, and also with the Earthwalk School of Herbal Traditions. So I kind of, I teach a range of things from plant spirit medicine and holistic anatomy to like a, Earthwalk does an herbal apprenticeship, which is more beginner level and then an advanced
1: level as well.
0: Okay. All right. Great. Thank you. Kathy, we'll jump over to you next. Uh,
1: Great. Um, And thanks, CJ, for having us here.
0: Sure.
1: Um, My name is Katherine Langelier, and I have a certified, a MOFCA-certified organic farm in Union, where I grow herbs and vegetables for my business, which is Herbal Revolution Farm and Apothecary. And we make herbal products, and I've been doing that now for going on, I think we're in our ninth season of business. Okay. And um, it started off as a small garden where I traveled the whole state gathering products and now we have a 23-acre farm. So it's it's been really exciting to, to watch it grow.
0: Nice. Yeah. All right. Thanks for being here. Thanks. Um, and Lauren, yeah. how about we'll jump over to you?
3: Um, <coughs> Hi, I'm Lauren Pignatello. Um, I'm the owner with my husband of Swallowtail Farm and Creamery. And also Milk and Honey of Swallowtail Farm in Portland, which I have an herbal apothecary and a farm-style cafe. Um, I've been in business um, with our creamery uh, for almost 12 years now, and I've done and studied herbs since I was a teenager, um, back in the 80s, 90s, Um, and... um, I give classes and apprenticeships. Um, I consider myself uh, a traditional, uh, more of a community herbalist. Um, I do consultations. um, I travel for consultations. And I'm also one of the founders of the Maine Botanical Clinic, which is a by-donation, once-a-month clinic in Portland at my apothecary, Milk and Honey, where we see Whoever needs care, and they don't have to have anything to offer, um, but just being there. So thank you for having me. Okay, great.
0: Um, So I think to start, maybe just a little bit of, uh, we got got a little bit of background from each of you, but I'm kind of curious um, maybe what brought you to uh, working with plants or working uh, with herbs, especially for medicinal medicinal purposes, and Jillian, I've kind of switched to you for a little bit of that background piece, but then I also had kind of a question about um, a clinical herbalist, and if you could also explain what that. Why
2: I call myself that? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Explain
0: behind that So um,
2: I'll start off with a little bit of my background. I okay. think probably like most herbalists, I've been in love with plants my whole life, and yep. um, But I really didn't know that um, working with plants in a medicinal way was a thing until I was probably 18 or so and left home and started traveling. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of traveling um, from the time I was 18 until my mid-20s. So I, I lived, let's see, down in the Southwest and traveled around Europe, Eastern and Western Europe and South America and kind of um, everywhere I went I got sick because I was really good at you know being a teenager and not being careful so I had lots of opportunities to um, be treated by local people who were working with medicinal plants and and so it became an interest of mine I started learning a lot on my own and then in my early to mid-20s I decided that I wanted to do some more formal kind of education and um, I guess it's complicated to describe why but for some reason I was really drawn to this program in Australia so I ended up going to Australia you know Mm -hmm. it's like very post-colonialism type world when you're going to Australia to learn about European traditional herbalism but that's what I did um, because Australia had a naturopathic program that was based on a bachelor's level um, degree so in this country we have naturopathy as a graduate level um, but your bachelor's has nothing to do necessarily with naturopathy, and I wanted to study naturopathy. So I went to a place where I could do that without a prior degree. Um, and it was a great program. It's based off of the program here um, at Bastier, and they had a large medicinal garden, and they grew a lot of plants. It was a very clinical program, so it was very much um, clinical skills right off the bat and very science-heavy. Okay. Um, And the reason I'm starting off with that is to say that for my own path, I found probably about three years into that program, I became pretty disillusioned with approaching herbal medicine from that perspective. So Mm -hmm. I really found that I got to this stage where I felt like, I mean, I still remember I was in nutritional pharmacology and I was thinking... I had learned enough by that stage to understand that there's a lot in science that we really don't know, um, that we kind of pretend we know. So I remember just wrote memorizing pathways of minerals and plant constituents in the body, and the truth is that we really don't know what, for example, zinc does in the body. Once you consume it, every body is different. Everyone has a different biochemistry. Mm -hmm. Plants have spirits and complex physiologies and... Um, and so I left the course (laughs) and came back to the States to really focus in on a more traditional and grassroots perspective of herbal medicine. Okay. Um, I call myself a clinical herbalist because I do have a more clinical background. Mm -hmm. um, and because I do work with clients in a professional way. Um, but clinical, I go back and forth between clinical and community herbalist, honestly, for myself personally. And I, I've developed in the last five years or so um, a much greater interest in working with the spirits of plants and plant spirit medicine so that plays a really big role in how I practice as well okay
0: all right thank you
2: did that answer all your questions yeah Yeah.
0: great (laughs) somebody else's (laughs) turn (laughs) Um, Kathy I guess I'll go To you next, and to get a little bit of the kind of the background and what brought you to to herbalism, so to speak.
1: Yeah, similar as these lovely women I'm sitting with here. Um, It started. Oh, it started when I was a young child, Um, and I will share this because it's like my first memory of eating uh, a plant. And I was in the backyard, and red clover is an edible flower. And I'll never forget, I mean, I was just a little kid, four years old, probably, and I would take the, f- the flower petal, and there's nectar in the bottom, and I remember tasting that nectar and that red clover, and I was just like, wow. I thought it was the most amazing thing. Um, and so when I look back at my life, it just sort of set me up for where I am at now. Um, I would say in my late teens, I um, got introduced to a lot of herbal medicine at dead shows, um, actually. And and also with the books I was reading at the time, um, I was doing a lot of outdoor education and um, I, I pretty much spent my, growing up in Maine, I spent all my summers and time outside. So I knew the plants and I knew what was edible and I knew what was medicinal. And then in my 20s, I started um, doing outdoor education and um, also farming, organic farming. And um, most of the farmers, a lot of where, I, I probably got my first herbal books in the 90s when I started working at the Belfast Co-op but it was and I learned so much through those books but it was the farmers that I was apprenticing with learning so much it was a lifestyle you know Mm -hmm. growing the food understanding what plants were good for food and good for medicine and same with the plants that grew here wild. Um, so it just sort of evolved, and, and it got to a point where I knew I wanted to be working with plants. It was what made me happy, and I knew I wanted to farm, and it wasn't until about 10 years ago where I was like, oh, I'm going to be an, I didn't realize, you know, oh, I'll be an herb farmer, and, and I'm going to do value-added. Mm-hmm. So it just has been this, like, evolution, and it's been a really beautiful journey that's got me to where I'm at today, and and now... I have this business, and um, and I'm, and you know, through all of this, there's education. I'm I'm constantly learning. Not only am I always learning every year and season when I'm working with the plants, but but I'm also continually getting edu- You know, going to workshops, um, taking classes. I look at this as a lifelong path. This is, you can never learn everything. If somebody says that they're a master, I mean, you can say you're a master herbalist, but if you say you know it all, I don't know. Like, it, there's just so much to learn. So I look at this as, like, a lifelong kind of path and
0: journey.
3: Nice.
0: Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks yeah. for the background. And Lauren, how about um, some background and, for you? Yeah,
3: and I'll just comment that I think we're all students of the plants. Right? You know, yeah. the plants are our teachers. And yeah. um, And I, as a little girl, too, I grew up in New York City um, where... I didn't have a lot of nature, but I remember like you um being so little and um tasting the honeysuckle nectar and the mulberries and um in the Bronx and um finding all the plantain because that loves, you know, cities and concrete. Um and as a teenager, uh I lived um by myself as an older teen and um didn't have much money. Um I had dogs and um I basically started eating and taking plants for my own self-care and my dogs um, and lucky enough to live close by an old root apothecary where I got to really you know, be part of um, something old and um, kind of tap into um, that inner calling mm-hmm. and that inner knowledge. I think that we all have um, if we listen mm-hmm. and um, from New York um, I moved to Maine that um, my husband on a blind date moved up to Maine and had my first garden on uh, Ores Island and mm-hmm. just started growing everything I remember that first winter um, on Ores Island uh, you know I really hadn't been in nature a lot and so that first winter gathering the frozen rose hips and making all sorts of potions, Um, being really inspired by the island and the nature around me and um, starting to grow medicinal herbs and forage for them. Um, And then I started my family. I have seven children. My oldest is 22. And that journey of having a family really brought me to where I it just brought me full circle of caring for the children with the plants. And that opened up a whole, uh, a whole nother range of community for me where, um, I was the one in our community of young children where people would call me, they'd come to my house mm-hmm. in Harpswell and what do I do for this? And what do I do for that? And, um, that was something that you know, I was, I've been doing since I've been in my twenties. Um, and just reading, I'm more of a, a self-studied herbalist. I, I did do some studying with, um, some elder herbal herbalists, Matthew Wood and, um, Freda Paul, who's Passamaquoddy. Mm -hmm. Um, so I was, feel very blessed to have, um, some traditional, um, Maine, uh, Passamaquoddy, uh, healing um in my in my repertoire um but following basically just following this path that i never set out to i never set out to say this is what i'm going to do it just i feel like it's just found me and with the animals and the cows and um you know that was really very inspiring to me um i used to keep bees and and um, just really full circle about the cycle and um, each animal and plant and what they, their part that they serve, mm-hmm. um, especially in farming and agriculture in Maine. And yeah. Just really, really full circle. Um, yeah. It's definitely a, a calling, I think. Yeah. If you listen. Yeah. Thank Definitely.
2: You.
0: <laughs> um let me ask this just to follow up some of it we are talking about herbalism we're talking about plants but it seems like maybe there is kind of a is there an animal piece involved as well or is it just part of the cycles of nature so to speak or life on the farm
3: yeah Yeah, for me I I think um, animal mineral plant um, we all have a part to play Mm -hmm. Um, and you know like Jillian had mentioned plants, there is plant spirit medicine and plants Mm -mm. do call and um, the animals hear that first. And, you know, so much of our herbal traditions and our healing traditions were learned by following the animals. Um, You know, like just for example, bear medicine. Um, You know, bears are some of our greatest herbalists, you know, Uh, and the Native Americans studied that studied bears and so many of those traditional remedies come from paying attention to the bears and, mm-hmm. and what they were looking for in the spring when they woke up and, um, just what the bear itself embodies in spirit. And then, um, the bear as a healer. And so I feel, you know, it's hard to take one part out or, and, and that's with, um, like mainstream, uh, herbal medicine um, you take out that most active constituent and you pelletize it and put it in a pill and you ingest it and that's kind of what mainstream herbalism seems to see because it's in a bottle and it's in a pill and Mm -hmm. that's you know maybe that's the gateway though for people to experience it in that way but there's so much more in that plant than that active constituent And by taking the whole plant as medicine, as a tea, you know, I really firmly believe in nutritional um, medicine and how we get it. um, I'm kind of a lifelong ancestral nutrition follower. Um, But getting that whole spectrum that you don't get when you take a pill. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, teas are Mm -hmm. great.
0: (laughs) So I guess what I was getting trying to get towards was it part of the bigger part of a bigger picture I think in terms of lifestyle.
3: Yeah,
1: definitely. Right? Yeah. I mean, I think I just I'd like to share too the idea of like animals not just, you know, you're working with the plants, but it's your other surroundings and when I'm out either on the farm or if I'm out wild gathering I'm I'm not just with the plant, I'm with my entire surroundings. So I'm listening to those birds that are over in the spruce trees just on the edge of the water, you know. I'm bringing all of that in to actually the medicine. Like I, it's not just the plant itself. It's it's I feel like I'm I'm bringing that experience into mm-hmm. whatever it is I'm harvesting and my intent to use with that plant that I've harvested. It's it really is like what's what else is happening? What are the bees doing? You know, there's there's a lot to be said, and 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 the birds and the and even the winds. You know, what, what what direction is the wind coming from? Um, yeah, for my medicine making and harvesting and working with the plants, that all plays a huge piece.
2: Yeah, and they're just you. There's so much more in that medicine than when something is brought down to its so-called yes. active constituent and pelletized in a factory setting and exactly. it's wildly different. There's another piece too about you know talking we're talking about animals um, being a part of the medicine. Another piece is that I feel like something that Lauren mentioned is that in having kids, the way that that deepened your herbal practice and being a part of community Mm -hmm. is that animals and children are so receptive to herbal medicine because they don't have this head full of beliefs around what medicine should or shouldn't Mm -hmm. be. Mm -hmm. And so you really find that working with herbal medicine with animals and children is, um, it's, it's one way to really build your confidence in herbal medicine and to see just the magic that can take place in healing when you when you bring the two together.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, they're so receptive. Yeah.
0: So they don't have these preconceived notions of what's right or wrong or
2: Yeah. This right. isn't gonna work. You can you can control a lot if you believe something won't work. Your mind is powerful. So powerful. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Um so I'll just take a minute to remind listeners that you are tuned into to Common Ground Radio, and today we are talking about herbalism, uh, and I have three guests in the studio with me today. I have Jillian Twisla, am I saying that right?
2: You are. Twisla,
0: okay, I'm sorry. Jillian <laughs> Twisla uh, from Hope, and Kathy Langelier from Union, and Lauren Pignatello from Whitefield. Um, so thanks again for everyone being here today. And I think um, moving forward with getting some of that background down and what we're talking about and where you each are kind of coming from, it seems like we've, we've touched on philosophy a little bit and some of, some of the beliefs moving forward. Um, but I'm curious about some of maybe the principles or um, methods about your work. So uh, in terms of if you're working with plant medicine, are you growing and harvesting or wild gathering things yourself, um, and kind of a little bit about that process, I guess. So I think, Jillian, I would jump to you and ask, are you are you growing things at home that you are making? Yeah, to I work am. With my, people? my
2: partner and I have a 30-acre homestead, um, and right now we're very heavily in some building processes because we've had new additions to our family. Um, But we do also have large gardens, and we've raised animals and bees in the past, and I've taken over our entire vegetable garden with medicinal (laughs) herbs, (laughs) which my husband is, for the moment, fine with. Um, But to be honest, what I'm kind of, I guess when you bring up the word principles, so I'll just go with kind of where my mind goes with that, is I feel like to approach herbal medicine in a really honest way is with deep respect for the plants. So that to me is the foundational principle. The herbalists that I know and really respect in community um, are are approaching plants from this place of deep respect and like Lauren said, like treating them as our teachers um, and learning from them. So respect for um, the plants and then also respect for greater ecology. So like I actually do very little wildcrafting. It's not as much a part of my practice because I do grow so much of what I use. And I don't use a lot because I don't have an apothecary. I just kind of grow for family, friends, and some clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do a lot of wildcrafting. But, like, for example, for people that do a lot of wildcrafting, we really approach larger ecology from a place of how, how do we interact with this from a place of reciprocity, of giving more than we receive, um, and really approaching the earth and ecology and the plants with the utmost respect and in a way that we are really functioning as um, from a place of service. So I feel like, to me, that's the foundational principle of, of um, herbalism, and I think I'll let someone else speak. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with what um, Jillian just said. Um, you know, for me, uh, I do what I do because of the plants. It's it's the work with the plants and it's the relationship I have with them. And I wouldn't be where I'm at if it wasn't for that relationship. And for me, it, it has kind of evolved in a way where it, I went from Growing everything, and I did do some a bit of wild gathering. um To now that I have this business, it's I'm constantly checking in and needing to check in with myself on what feels right and what's okay. Because you know, I I do have a business that I am growing, but there's certain plants that I, for instance, won't work with on a large scale, and there's certain things that I'm okay with working on a large scale. Mm-hmm. So you know, working with, um, and, and, and so it's like using plant material that I can grow on the farm or other farmers here in Maine can be growing that I can have access to, um, and using those ingredients and those plants for, um, creating products that can go on a, on a bit of a larger scale and then keeping things that are a lot more, um, I don't know how to say this because all the plants are close to my heart, but there's some that you just really should be using small doses, small amounts, and um, really, you know, everything should be used uh, responsibly, but there's just certain plant medicine that really is, like, low low dosing and not used in large amounts. And or mm-hmm. there's um, uh, endangered is You know, there's issues where there's not enough, Um so so I kind of approach what I'm doing now is like, especially having a business, um, creating products that are really close to home and or not creating products with plants and having them as just learning and teaching plants in the garden, um, because uh, there's a lot of fun things happening with the, my business right now. And, and down the road, a big piece of what is going to happen is an educational piece.
0: Okay. All right. Something to look forward to in the future.
3: Yeah. <laughs> nice. And what Kathy said about endangered plants, there there are endangered plants, and um, we're so lucky in Maine um, yeah. because we have the bounty of so many um, medicinal healing, edibles, there's just so much at our fingertips. Mm-hmm. And I find in my practice that I don't need to use, um, endangered plants, um, because there's so many other things that I can use instead. Mm -hmm. Um, there's just, there's just so much. And in Maine, there are also a lot of invasive plant species, um, which are wonderfully medicinal and it's actually helpful for us to, to use those plants, um, in many ways. And, um, there's just, uh, yeah, there's there's so much um just using those regional plants and uh and again just being so blessed coming you know being in Maine and getting to do this um and the plants really I feel like if you listen um they do call to you Mm -hmm. what is needed um I grow a lot of plants I have gardens um at home and uh in Portland at my apothecary, which is really fun because it's just raised beds um, in the East Bayside section. And there's flowers and herbs, and sometimes I throw some vegetables in there. And I find it's really you know full spectrum. We're, we're filled with butterflies in the summertime, even hummingbirds. And I also, um, so I use I use those plants a lot. And I do love to respectfully wildcraft and forage. Um, I find it's being out, especially now in the wintertime, I do a lot of tree tree Mm -hmm. medicine and a lot of tree harvesting um, branches and uh, tips Mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. And being out in nature in the still and the quiet and being able to listen to what have you but I the plants do do call and having that very magical full part of the ecosystem really come into your healing um, I I just feel like it's very full spectrum but then I'm also of uh, the opinion you know I can go into pretty much anyone's cupboard at home or you know bins and you know see what they have and brew something up that's good I mean I feel like healing is very accessible in so Mm -hmm. many ways just even in an onion so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I fully believe that and I love the I love the the challenge the healing challenge of using what you have Mm -hmm. and not having to go far and I'm I'm very lucky that I not only have my own sources but I have friends that grow for me and Know, organic farmers that I could purchase from, and the gifting in Maine—it's um, there's so much giving and receiving, mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be the same people, but it just the chain and the cycle really follow, and it's all part of the healing, mm-hmm. which is really. Seems really like great. there's
0: a nice community around it. It's um, amazing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there is. We're so yeah. lucky. I feel that way too.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, well. I'll just let listeners know that this is Common Ground Radio. Today we're talking about herbalism and look to open up the phone lines here in the next minute or so to take any questions or comments people may have. And that toll-free number is 1-866-625-9378. I think the next piece I'm curious about, about working with people. So how, uh, Jillian, I guess I'll just ask with you and we're just kind of going going clockwise, clockwise, it (laughs) seems, but feel free to chime in at any time. I'm just kind of curious how that interaction happens. Um, someone contacts you, contacts you because they're maybe having an issue or just looking for a healthier approach to life. Um,
2: Sure. I want to. I'm sorry not to just jump right into answering you, but I do just want to say off the back of us all really gushing about the community here in (laughs) Maine. I just want to say that for listeners who are really interested in getting involved with that community, um, Milk and Honey down in Portland is a great place to stop in. We were joking earlier like it is a hub. There's classes and there's um, an herbal cafe and there's so much going on there. And up in the Mid Coast, we have so much here. A really great thing to attend if you're wanting to get involved with the herbal community in Maine is the Maine Herbalist Gathering, which happens okay. usually in the fall, often October. Mm-hmm. It's a really accessible gathering. It's a conference, there's classes, and it's it's very accessible. So that's something to look at if people are interested. Um, and then I'll come back to answering your question, which had to do with um, working, working with, with people.
4: people.
2: Yeah. Okay, so, and I should actually say... Um, Because I've been on the radio before, and then I always get a bunch of emails afterwards that I am actually not taking clients right now and won't be until about mid to late March. Um, But the way it works, usually for me, it's mostly people have come to me after seeing me teach, Mm -hmm. Um, uh, you know, seeing me give a talk. I give talks at Common Ground Fair every year and do talks around the state. Um, I have some talks coming up, but so often people contact me after seeing me teach um and generally consultations will happen such i mean for me the most important part of a consultation is really listening is deep listening to a person's story mm-hmm. honoring and validating their health story um i work a lot with the energetic as well as the physical so in a consultation i'm really both assessing i'll do i'll do an intake all the way that i was trained so i'll take a person's health history um And at the same time, I'm assessing their energetic presence. Mm -hmm. So what kind of stories are going on here? What are the patterns and what parts of the body are those playing out in? What is that related to from an emotional, spiritual point? And then what plants are showing up? So plants will always show up um, if they're wanting to work with someone, if they can be useful Um, so I work both from this very like actions and indications and materia medica standpoint and then also from this just what plants are showing up that want to work with this person or what stories um are is this person telling themselves that are really making it hard for them to shift and heal those are kind of the two aspects so it normally consultations are for me like oh gosh it really depends on how much the person I'm sure needs there's to talk. Some <laughs> <variation>. <laughs> so, but yeah. like an hour and a half to two hours is pretty good. It can get mm-hmm. a little exhausting for the person after that. So I try to keep that as a limit. Um, but an hour and a half to two hours, and then we might talk about suggestions for lifestyle changes. Um, for changes in, you know, relationships or emotional stuff that's going on, mm-hmm. and then which plants are really showing up as allies from maybe a spiritual perspective, you know, really teaching, like... Um, gosh there's so many plants but like calendula is one that comes up a lot when people have poor boundaries and relationships and so a lot of their health stuff has to do with the sacral chakra and reproductive issues stuff like that so there might be a plant that comes in a very spiritual way like that and also want to be used physically or it might go the route of more like a really restorative nutritive tea um, on the physical, mm-hmm. and it it's a little bit different with everyone, depending on what they're presenting with and what their needs are and also what they're ready for, you know, what they're actually ready to to do in their life. Um, yeah, I feel like gosh, there's so much you can say, yeah.
1: so I'm gonna pass yeah. the mic, <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: um well, for me, at this point, I don't feel like I have enough time to really dedicate to working on a clinical level with people um, because. I do agree with Julian. It 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 takes you want to give that time and respect to work with that person to listen to them. And so, while farming and running a business, it's I've discovered it's just far too hard. So I've kind of set the clinical piece aside. That being said, um, I still feel like I put myself. I still feel like I hold a presence as a bit of a community herbalist, and and I do. people I get asked a lot of questions a lot of times and I do sort of have to assess like can't you know do I feel comfortable even recommending anything in this situation without doing a full assessment and sometimes I do feel it's okay and often will refer people st- sticking to like restorative nutritional um, uh, herbs and tonifying herbs and if it feels like it's something that's a little bit more like oh you know you should you should go see so and so She goes see Jillian when she starts, you know, up in March again. So, for me, I I make my position as I'm making the medicine for the clinical herbalists that can't, mm-hmm. for those that are not able to grow the medicines or have the time to fully stock their their apothecary. I feel like I'm able to provide. Um, Things that maybe not everybody can grow at this point, mm-hmm. and and down the road again with um in the future of the of where I'm going, I, I am considering um, opening up um, more space for clinical work.
0: Yeah, okay. And Lauren, for you, do people um, down at Milk and Honey? I guess would be the place. Like,
3: they... yes, yeah, um, mostly. Um, I used to do uh, consultations out of my house, um, and now I mostly do them out of Milk and Honey. Just easier. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so much there, and a lot of herbs, and mm-hmm. um, we share the space with Taproot magazine, so you can look at a magazine while you're waiting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I um, I find it's a just a good atmosphere. Um, we have a lot of a lot of stock, um, a lot of plant spirit going around um, down there, and usually people call me or email me um stop in make an appointment i do have people stop in and ask questions while I'm there um so it's like kathy said you know sometimes you can answer something and give people a little a little nudge um and then other other times it's better to meet in private mm-hmm. um and have you know have some really one-on-one time uh, i find with most people uh really the most important thing is being heard. Mm-hmm. And people want to be listened to. They want to be able to, like Jillian said, tell their story. Um, and I, I find that's probably the most important piece. Um, I do a lot of, um, Jillian mentioned, um, I do a lot of uh, intuitive medicine. Um, that's probably one of my stronger uh, my stronger attributes. Is in my intuition um, and so I never you never really know um, mm-hmm. you know till you take a look at someone but um, but I do a lot of that and uh, two years ago I uh, I went to Standing Rock out in North Dakota um, and I stayed at the rose rosebud Sikongu camp at Ocheti Sakawan and um, just called to go out there and bring all the main bounty Mm -hmm. uh food farm food and herbal medicine um out there over for water protectors and um you know I've been doing herbs for so long uh never with any rhyme or reason or business plan um just following that path of that I almost don't have a choice to but mm-hmm. to be on um, and that's what led me out to Standing Rock and being uh, the herbalist in the teepee at the Sikongo camp um, you know some days I'd see a hundred people in a day that needed medicine up all night through the night and, um, and the native tradition is you know choose plant medicine first and uh-huh. then go down the line of mm-hmm. pyramid and that was um, just such a blessing and such an eye opener to be there and to have that privilege to be in a have a healing relationship with people who were willing to trust me um, and see families from children to grandparents who all you know, resided together. Uh, but that that really opened opened my eyes to so much more that um, the exchange. Of what we're here for, mm-hmm. and um, and then I brought that back to Maine and started doing um, by donation Wednesdays, and now um, I'm part of the Maine Botanical Clinic. We meet uh, once a month, and the last Thursday of the month, and you can come in and see. and And I that's that's really my biggest belief. I think is plant medicine to the people mm-hmm. um, that we all. We all are equal in, in this and we all can be a part of of healing each other, ourselves and collectively in mm-hmm. society so okay.
0: you guys are all in such agreement yeah <laughs> <laughs> <Joy>. <laughs> just nodding at each yeah. other the whole time, um, which is wonderful like smiling uh, and yeah, you know. Know. Yeah. I know <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> um uh, so I guess we 'll let listeners know again common ground radio here this morning we 're talking about herbalism. Uh, the phone lines are open for any questions or comments, and that number is one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight and I think my next question is if someone is interested um, beyond getting in contact with someone if they 're looking uh, for some help, but if someone is interested in learning a little bit on their own. And maybe like in their home garden, I guess, is the route that I'm going. Are there uh, some plants, some introductory plants or some things that people that just want to get the ball rolling, uh, get a little bit of education using their own hands? What are some of those routes you feel that people um, or routes, I should mm-hmm. say, rather <laughs> <laughs> that people may take to try to get a little bit of more personal learning uh, that way their in their own, in their yeah. own gardens?
4: some yeah. favorite
0: plants maybe or yeah.
2: yeah absolutely it's actually there's so many options for how to answer that yeah. it's really oh. hard to decide <laughs> i mean one of the things that i feel like i say a lot is just get one of get one of rosemary gladstar's books like mm-hmm. oh, what's um it's Called a beginner's guide. Yes, it
1: is. Yeah,
2: to herbal medicine. Yeah, but one I of so. one of Rosemary Gladstar's books, and just start growing a few plants, and start mm-hmm. working with a few plants as tea, like especially the nutritive plants, mm-hmm. like nettles and dandelion, mm-hmm. um, and. So grow them in the garden and spend time with them and, you know, dry them for tea or make a fresh tea, make a simple tincture. Rosemary's um, more like introductory books have so many recipes and there's so much herbal lore. It's really accessible and beautiful and fun to read. And you can just kind of integrate that in your life in a small way Mm -hmm. and kind of let it build over time. And I almost feel like when people are like really gung ho and really want to learn about herbs... I actually feel like it's a better way to start in a small and mindful way mm-hmm. in your garden and with one plant at a time. Because once you really build a relationship with one plant or a couple of plants, it's almost like it teach it reteaches you how to have relationship with, you know, different species. Like mm-hmm. so many people have forgotten how to build that relationship. And once you build that relationship strongly with a few plants, like the rest of the world will start to open up to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that is kind of like the first thing that comes to mind for me. Um, I will say that I've also done this talk a couple of times at Common Ground Fair, and it's something that I'm going to put up on my website as like a free, you know, open source thing, which is just um, a guide for like, if you really want to learn this stuff and you don't have a lot of money for classes, um, here, here are some books that you can get at the library or get mm-hmm. your local library to purchase. And, and these are kind of the steps you can take to start working with plant medicine in your own life, and your family, for your kids in a safe way, you know, with, uh-huh. with um, some guidance around safety. Because there's amazing... We are so lucky in this country. So many of our elder herbalists have written yeah. incredible books. Yeah. Um, and that's rare. That's not true. Uh-huh. Like, that's not as true in Australia. There's a few Australian herbalists... You know, where I was studying before that, have really put their knowledge into books. But for the most part, it's mostly accessible through in person training. And so making use of those guides.
0: Okay. Um, Well, it looks like we have a caller. So we have David from Brooklyn. David, if you'd like to go ahead with your uh, question or comment, please.
4: Yeah, I just want to chime in so that, uh, you know, there's not any chance of you feeling like you're talking to a vacuum. Uh, You know, what a great show you're putting on here and, and the work it's being done uh I, I especially salute the uh the the sort of the dual focus i'm hearing both toward the elders and the wisdom of the elders and toward our own individual uh uh in inspired intuitive uh uh discoveries of what lives in our uh acre uh you know i I was uh, I had cut some uh, birch seed saplings with my pocket knife because there were way too many of them, and I was idly skinning the bark off them one Sunday afternoon just because it looked pretty, you know, uh, to see the bare wood, and the bark was sort of smelled good. And I ended up sending it down to my kid who's chefing uh, the bark down in uh, uh, Washington, and they've come up with a some kind of a fizzy drink out of uh, birth park, you know, which I didn't have any idea would happen, but the, the whole thing just sort of unfolded. And, you know, I think this is uh, the kind of empowerment that we need to have as individuals going on into the, uh, the uh, mysterious future. So I'm you for uh, uh, okay. that. It
0: All right. Thanks, David. Thanks for the call, and thanks for the support. Um, I think everyone here appreciated the, yeah, the birch bark yay, story. Yes. <laughs> <Yay>. um, <laughs> Thanks so, for sharing. Yeah, and if there's any uh, other listeners, the number is one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. So, are there favorite plants to work with? Um,
3: sure. Um,
0: and I, I guess it, well, there yeah. also seems to be this kind of nutritive piece, like restoring the body piece, and then maybe there's a piece of something's going on and how do we address that? But maybe on that more like nutritive side or? um,
3: We have dandelion, which is, um, what a great teacher, you know, you get it in the cities and, you know, the country, um, you don't have to have garden, you don't have to have a book. um, And talking about our elders, um, you know, I think most of our ancestors, least Mm -hmm. um we're eating dandelion uh, uh greens in the spring um it's just what everyone did if you had access to them and they grow in the city too um you know granted you have to be careful of spray and you know Mm -hmm. dog poop or something (laughs) (laughs) Um, but um yeah it's such a great plant it has so many vitamins and minerals it's so plentiful so accessible so easy and a nutritive and a medicinal and a spiritual um dandelion is good for the liver it's good for rage so
0: mm-hmm. um
3: i use dandelion <clears throat> a lot for um for liver ailments um or just from uh someone that has a little extra anger that they need to release um but yeah just a great a great way to start too and like that gentleman was saying about peeling the birch bark um, for us up here, you know, it's so accessible. You can mm-hmm. grab a branch, um, make some, you know, ferment it. Mm-hmm. You can get collect birch sap in April, which is more plentiful than maple sap and faster and a little bit more. You don't have to ferment it okay. in as quick. I mean, you don't have to Cook boil it down. Bread. You could just consume it and, mm-hmm. and ferment it a little bit for birch soda. So um, it just as, You have to, of course, be careful with plant identification so you don't eat something that you shouldn't, and Mm -hmm. especially mushrooms, um, which are so popular right now. But I I guess I just encourage people not to be afraid to get their hands dirty and to have those physical relationships with plants, even if you have just a potted plant on your windowsill Mm
0: -hmm.
3: or just going for a walk Mm -hmm. in in the woods. (laughs)
0: Okay. Okay. What about uh, some things kind of like the time of the year, or times of the seasons? It seems like dandelions show up in the spring and that's a good time just in the cycles of the seasons for your body to take advantage of it. But um, maybe things that are in like the wintertime or everyone complains about getting sick in the winter
3: mm-hmm.
0: if you don't want to go get your flu shot.
3: <laughs> winter time's probably good for fire cider. All yeah. those roots and alliums and Absolutely. things we brew together in the kitchen, it's just yeah yeah, with okay. s- such a good recipe, anybody can do it, yeah, yeah, so um, yeah, lots of garlic and and then pine is great, uh pine needles you can collect now, yeah. they have lots of vitamin C, make a lovely tea, mm-hmm. um so that's good winter medicine, um, yeah, and a
0: lot of these things seem like they're um. Very accessible, the ones that you mentioned. But we do have another caller. We have Catherine from Appleton calling if you'd like to go ahead with your comment or question.
3: I would, thank you. First of all, the the frequency and tones of these voices from these beautiful women is just beautiful. That's that's healing in itself, beautiful voices. Um, Yes, I would just like to know uh, the difference between boiling and simmering herbs. Um, it, my, um, and I'll, I'll just take my, you know, answer off the air. Thank you. Okay.
0: Thanks, Catherine.
3: Sure. Just one, one, one uh, go for that one. I'm Boiling a, versus simmering. Yeah. I say simmer. Um, simmer for, for most things. Yeah. Um, low simmer, long uh, roots, barks, mm-hmm. um, just mushrooms, long hours. Crock mm-hmm. pot works great. Mm-hmm. Um, just low heat extracting those medicinal properties. Um, if you're in a hurry, you could boil, um, might lose a little bit of the properties and mm-hmm. miss out on some magical things happening in between waiting, you know, mm-hmm. being patient. <laughs>
1: And one thing, if I could add, um, with aromatics like mints and um, lemon bombs, things that are very aromatic, um, when you are taking hot water and putting it over the herbs, those um, wonderful essential oils can dissipate really quickly. So what I like to do is quickly take um, a mason jar cover or some sort of, or like a um, a plate or something and put it over the cup while it's steeping, so not to lose um, a bunch of those um, wonderful uh, terpenes and essential oils that are in the plant. So that's another thing that you can do as well with those really lovely aromatics. Yeah.
0: So you might be losing those and not, in, the, in the steam. Yeah and, yeah, and I
1: don't especially like using boiling water. You know, I'll let the wild water get hot, but um, if it gets to a boil, I'll wait a minute or a second or two before putting it over those, those herbs and then covering it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. How about any, um, any other tips for folks that are looking to put some things together at home? Which is probably, like, extremely broad, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> totally. just get out there and play. Yeah. You know,
2: have a start with simple, safe herbs. And I think we're all kind of gravitating really towards the nutritional herbs yeah. in this talk because it's something that's really safe to say on radio, go work with nettle or dandelion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, just play. Just
3: start working with things and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Elderberries and honey. Even honey yeah. itself oh, is yeah. just... Yeah. I mean, the bees are doing all the it's work true. for us. Yes, you know, collecting all the, the nectar. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So local, you know, buy local honey. Um, even a spoonful of honey, you have a prickle in your throat. You know, then you can add, like Kathy said, you know, you can have a little lemon balm tea, add a little mm-hmm. honey to it, or um, just such an easy way. Um, and yeah. old Appalachian cure is apple cider vinegar and honey, yes. which. I know Kathy does a lot yes. of tonics as I do as well. Yeah. And I, I think tonics are my favorite with the apple cider vinegar and the honey, which just, same. You yeah. know, and then you add the plant medicine yeah. and you have such a full spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I
1: love the approach of food is medicine and medicine is food mm-hmm. and I think that with working with um, foods that are already gravitating towards medicinal properties is just a really great way for people to get introduced to working with um, botanical medicine. Is what do we have in our what do we have in our cupboards? What can we use that's right in our kitchens that we're familiar with, and then you know then you get more interested and it just really branches out from there. Like yeah. oh well, what else what else is you know oh what's growing outside uh, you know I mean if you just go into your backyard chances are most people have like just an, an, an apothecary waiting for them yeah. in their backyards. And, and I think starting with um, a book, like any book of rosemaries, is a great place to start. And now is the good time to start reading about it because soon we have the growing season coming, and April nettles will be showing up soon, and dandelion. And so it's a really great time to sort of start getting a little bit um, doing that reading to get prepared for the spring and summer. Mm-hmm. And I say just go and find some seeds from Fedco that your gravity. You're like, gee, I really want to grow this. Then do it. Just go do it. That's the plant for you. That's the plant for you. <laughs> exactly. And if it um, speaks to you
0: from the catalog. That's right.
1: If it speaks to you from the catalog, you're having then dreams about it. Do it. it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, well, we are getting down into the last few minutes of the show, so I think as we get into these last few minutes, I just wanted to get back to some of those educational resources um, and any other opportunities that listeners may have out there. So we've mentioned Rosemary Gladstone, is that correct? Rosemary
2: Gladstar's book.
0: Gladstar? Yep.
2: She also has an online program, um, but really we were talking about her books as a really yeah. nice, accessible way to
0: get started. Okay. Okay. And are there any other um, courses or things coming up on your own schedules out there that people might be interested in?
2: Yeah, I have a couple of things upcoming or planned for the year um, that are listed on my website, which is hillintree.com, H-Y-L-L-A-N-T-R-E-E. Um, but I have a couple of classes planned. Um, from June to November, I have a plant spirit medicine course, which is going to be a really experiential hands-on, working-with-the-plants-in-group kind of course um, uh-huh. at, in HOPE at my homestead. And then I have a course coming up in November that'll be another six-month course, and that's holistic anatomy. So that's going through anatomy and physiology. It's pretty information-heavy. It's anatomy and physiology, and then overlaying that with energy anatomy and correspondences to medicinal plants and ecology. Okay. It's a mouthful. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be really sounds juicy. Co- sounds it's comprehensive. Be juicy.
0: Um, I think really we have just about one minute left, so I guess, Kathy, to jump to you, if people wanted to find out more information, how would they find you in the in the greater world?
1: Right. Um, well they could go to our website, um, which is herbalrev.com. Um, but soon we will have a place on Route 17 in Union where we will have eventually gardens open to the public and we will start doing educational
3: programs there. Okay. Nice.
0: And, Lauren, quickly for you. Yeah. Um, milk and Honey of Swallowtail Farm. Milk and Tail Honey Farm. of Swallowtail
3: Farm. There's gardens. There's education. My traditional folk herbalism apprenticeship starts up in March. So, okay. yeah. Yay. Great. Well, this <laughs> we're getting
0: uh, to the end here. I just want to thank my guests. Jillian Twisla, Kathy Langelier, Lauren Pignatello, for all being here to speak with, uh, with us about herbalism. And this has been Common Ground Radio, which you can hear the first Friday of every month here on WERU. And so please stay tuned for On the Wing with Joel Raymond. Support for WERU comes from our listeners and from Collins Center for the Arts. Presenting the world's only Piano Wind Tet Ensemble 4.1. The concert is at 3 p.m. on Sunday, February 13th.